Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 453, coming to you on Wednesday, October 12th. We're going to look forward to USC's big, big battle against the Utah Utes on Saturday at Rice Eccles Stadium in Salt Lake City. As always, you can Feel free to follow us on social media. We're at Reign of Troy on Twitter and Facebook. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Our email address is reignoftroyatfansite.com. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, journalist, my co-host here in the Reign of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we are back for another preview, uh, preview episode. This time it is game number seven of the season. But it's the one that we circled all off season. It's the one that we've obviously would circle. Utah, the defending champions in the Pac-12, uh, they are uh, four and one on the season. A absolutely reputable opponent. Uh, the biggest test thus far in the Lincoln Riley era. It is going to be a big week, and we have a lot to discuss. And I'm super excited about it that we're live here on YouTube to do it. Yeah, this is this is the one. The whole season has been ramping up to this one. So it's going to be interesting to see how we feel coming out of this one. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's going to be a fun game. We're going to obviously talk about it here in depth. Uh, as always, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to join the chat, join the discussion. You can add your questions. You could put question in front of your questions, and then we'll be sure to, to tag those and open them up later on in the mailbag when we talk about uh, all of our other questions that we've gotten through emails and whatnot. Um, and be sure to like the like the video and subscribe. It helps us grow the show as well, uh, as do reviews. And we've got a new review over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, big shout out to Joe, uh, who gave us a five-star review from Joe Mulholland that says, the best USC football podcast. Joe says, Rot is a fantastic podcast, and I'm great for it existing. When I was first accepted into USC as a transfer admin in 2019, as a kid from New Jersey, I listened to Michael and Alicia for the first time, and their content helped me learn about the team and start to love the school and the football team. I honestly can't think of a single thing that this podcast could do better. News, constant engagement, and questions from viewers, insight in the team, realistic and fun discussions and so much more. I agree with Michael and about the lasagna. 
you gotta love that. That's best part of the review. The review was going concerned. so well. Yeah. Uh, Michael and, Lizzie, and Alicia, thank you for what you do. That is truly uh, appreciated. I know that both of you have been open with your struggles with imposter syndrome and anxiety. And I want to say that from my perspective and the perspective of those that I have shared Rot with, you two are truly amazing at what you do. And listening to Rot legitimately is one of the things I look forward to most every week. Oh, thank you, Joe. That gave me that gave me the good feelings in, in my heart and in my soul. Uh, we need that. We need that uh, occasionally. And uh, yeah, you definitely hit that hit that uh, sweet spot, that chicken noodle soup. Yeah, it's a, it's a great review and we appreciate it. Uh, I don't know if we are the best USA football podcast, but we will take it. Absolutely. Uh, and you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening as well. Uh, and again, be sure to help grow the show uh, with subscribing to us here on Utah. Uh, on, on Utah. On, on YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> Utah, YouTube. Hey, Utah's on everybody's mind. Uh, Touchdown USC in the chat says, what is a Ute? See, the, the, every the questions you, you, you got to ask. Uh, and the answer YouTube. to that is, is correct me if I'm wrong, a Ute is a tribe, a, a Native American tribe. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But, but, but that's, I don't think you're supposed to answer earnestly to the meme. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, there's a lot to discuss. Uh, we don't have any news. Let's just get right into talking about USC and Utah because that's what everybody uh, came here for. It's the Trojans. It is the Utah Utes, 5 p.m. on Big Fox, October 15th, Saturday night, uh, the night that everyone has circled all season. Uh, the Utes, of course, 4-2 and two coming in the, into the game. Two losses, two blemishes already on their schedule, a, a Week one loss on the road at Florida, 26-29, uh, 29-26, the, the, the loss there. Three-point loss on the road in the SEC in week one. I do not care. Do, do not care at all. I, if you're a Utah fan, sir, you, you want to win that after you know losing the Rose Bowl and a heartbreaker. But realistically, is that a defining moment for Utah? No, don't care about it. Last week, rather interesting. They lose to, to UCLA. A UCLA team that suddenly looks like the, if if not the the best team in in the conference, at least in this in uh, an argument for it, along with SC and Utah. These three teams look like the three best teams in the conference, along with Oregon. Oregon, UCLA, and SC, of course, all ranked in the top twelve in the AP. Utah has fallen down to twentieth. They are nineteenth in the coaches' poll uh, after the loss to the Bruins last week. Um, you know what this Utah team is. They're coached by Kyle Whittingham. They have been since the 1800s, it feels like. Utah joined the conference in 2011, and they have been a worthy, worthy opponent ever since. Every single game feels like an absolute battle. Uh, and while it's been a little bit lopsided on each, you know, uh, Utah tends to win at Rice-Eccles. SC tends to win at the Coliseum, the first time ever that they did not was last year. Utah got their first win at the Coliseum in, I, I, I think, was it 100 years or something like that? Uh, or was it ever? I can't it remember. long exactly. enough. Something. Yeah. And, yeah, they, they, got, they got their first win there. I think they, I want to say they had beaten UCLA at the Coliseum, but not SC. Um, either way, last year was something that we, who, who, who remembers last year? Nobody It didn't does. happen. Yeah. 
It's like 2020. Like yeah, last season last was really 2019, seasons. right? Yeah, the last two seasons yeah. didn't happen. We have no reason to talk about them. At yeah, all. including SC's win at Rice Eccles in 2020. Who remembers yeah. that? Nobody. Yeah. No, no. As far as I'm concerned, SC hasn't won at Rice Eccles since 2012, right? Hey, there you go. 2020 didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's been a long time. Um, this is going to be a fascinating game as a as a barometer and a measuring stick for SC. Uh, just going into it, Alicia, what are your first thoughts? Watching the UCLA-Utah game opened the door for me to start considering this as a potential win for USC. I started this week thinking, hmm, been pretty fervent on my USC's going to lose at Rice Eccles take since the offseason. Do I need to change that? Hmm. Um, then I looked at some of the numbers and then I sort of came back to earth and yeah. Uh-oh. Um, the fact of the matter is that this is still a good Utah team. I think the trip to the Rose Bowl, while very impressive for UCLA, I think should be a game that's given credit to UCLA as, as opposed to discrediting Oregon. Sorry, not Oregon, Utah. Um, this team cannot be taken lightly. This team is still very good. This team is still exceptional at home. And this team is going to give USC everything it can handle. And I'm really excited for that because you don't get to be a contender unless you win the games against the really good teams on your schedule in difficult cir- circumstances on your schedule. And I think that the first six weeks of this season have been very, very exciting from a USC perspective. But it's been lacking that signature win. I mean, you have the Neilan nudge, you have the Oregon State win, which is like a signature effort. But beating that Oregon State team is not the signature win. I think this USC team, we're about to find out what their ceiling for this season is. And I'm really, really excited to, to see how they do because... I'm not going to fall into the trap of saying, oh, well, UCLA beat Utah, so they're trash. This is still a very, very difficult team to beat, and this will be an extremely difficult game for USC. Yeah, UCLA beat them by 10 points, 42-32. In In a game that DTR looked like a Heisman candidate. Yeah, and and it was a game in which you could say it's a shootout, 42-32. Yeah. Um, That's pretty much a shootout. A a 10-point win at... 42-32 42-32 feels different than a 10-point win that's 13-3, to right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I watched that game last week, obviously, and I think, you know, Utah is not the team from last season. Uh, they're without Keithy at tight end, and I think that's a problem, but mm-hmm. Dalton Kincaid is everything out of a tight end named Dalton that you'd fear, just like, the old uh, Dalton Schultz at Stanford yeah. <laughs> and, and every other tight end that, that Utah has put together um, and certainly just as capable a, as Keely is, although maybe not a, as overall athletic. I think that what made Keithy, I think kind of scary was that they, they were able to use him on things like, you know, screens. And, you know, I think they used him on like end arounds before, like, it was really yeah. interesting how they use Keithy, and I, I don't know that they're going to use that they use Kincaid in quite the same way. But um, you know, this is the dynamic offense w- with Cameron Rising, and there's a reason why he's so efficient. He's 23rd nationally in pass efficiency. Um, 
They've got an excellent receiver uh, in Bailey, who is absolutely uh, one of the one of the best in the conference. He's twelfth nationally in punt returns too, so he's athletic. He can make you miss. Uh, he he's a sort of a a, a guy to, to watch on the outside. Tavion Thomas is absolutely uh, capable uh, in in the run game. But I think there's some some issues up front where we talk about Utah with so much confidence that we have in their ability to control the line of scrimmage because we've seen it so many times, year in and year out, right? But I think the question mark is what are what is this Utah defensive line? Uh, they they don't have a Devin Lloyd, they don't have uh, a Bradley Ane. I I. Th- don't know that this is the the Utah defensive line that you quite remember. You look nationally in, in line yards, they're 95th in the country. And I think that it's it's going to be fascinating to see if SC can take advantage of that. I mean, uh, Zach Charbonnet at UCLA just ran for a billion yards, I think 198 yards last, last week, nearly got to the 200 mark. There are places for USC to have success here. And I think that it starts on the ground and, uh, you know, on, Last, last night's episode when we talked about uh, in, in the Washington State fallout, I was going through a bunch of stats. And one of the areas that I that I didn't mention in that episode were the offensive line stats. And I want to go into those right now because when we talked about offensive line stats, you know, back in the Helton era, we're saying 2018, 2019, 2017, and we talked about things like opportunity rate, Remember all the time that we would we would fawn over what Oklahoma was doing, and we said mm-hmm. that SC needed to have sort of the air raid elements while being able to run the ball like Oklahoma. Remember this? I do. And we talked about how Oklahoma's an air raid team, but hey, they're able to run the ball with and and highly ranked in everything. So I looked it up. Here's the numbers: USC, the offensive line, and run blocking. The Trojans are third in the country in line yards, second in standard down line yards, number one, number one in the country in opportunity rate. Dude, if you had told me that at any point in the season, USC would be number one in opportunity rate, I would have collapsed to the floor and just laid there for a while wondering how that happened. (laughs) What is opportunity rate, you ask? Well, according to Football Outsiders, here's the definition. Percentage of carries when four yards are available that they gain at least four yards, i.e. the percentage of carries in which the line does its job, so to speak. USC, again, number one. For many years, USC was bottom half of the country or worse in opportunity rate. Yes. And and SC is number one at 64%. Uh, Number two, Ohio State, 63.5%. SC is ahead of Ohio State, 64%. 64% of the time, SC is rushing the ball. They're getting four yards. Yeah. Because the offensive line is doing their job in run blocking. This is legitimately an elite offensive line in run blocking. There's the caveat, in run blocking. Uh, fourth in power success rate. That, of course, is short yardage runs. Uh, eighth in stuff rate. That's how many times are they preventing negative runs. Uh, eighth in, in stuff rate. Those are all really great numbers. Those are elite numbers. Those are in line with the Oklahoma numbers that we talked about. Those are in line with everything that you know. You, you put together with 
what we thought that this offensive line could be uh, when when Lincoln Riley, Riley was hired, all of that. In the run game, they are doing those things. Now, you look at pass protection. SC, of course, 56th in sack rate, 50th uh, in standard down sack rate, 83rd in passing down sack rate. And mind you, those sack rate numbers do not include um, Caleb Williams' ability to stay in the pocket so long um, and avoid uh, so much of that pressure. Those numbers would be terrible if he had stone feet, if he was, you know, any bit slower. If, if that was, uh, you know, Max Wittick back there, he would have been, and he would have been oh. sacked <laughs> eight times a game. Those numbers would be atrocious. That's not a fair comparison. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think when we talk about USC's offensive line, we need to talk about it in terms of run blocking and pass protection. Because those two things are completely different. SC has an elite offensive line in run blocking. They have probably the worst offensive line we've seen in a while in pass protection. Now, how does that compare to Utah, right? Like um, Josh in the chat says, well, where's, where's Utah? So Utah's defensive line in opportunity rate is 93rd in the country. 93rd. They are allowing yards on the ground, absolutely. Now, as I said, Utah's offensive line, defensive line, 95th in, in line yards. Uh, stuff right, they're up to 51st, a little bit better. But still, they're not getting negative plays. They're not winning havoc plays. This isn't the, this isn't the matchup that USC is normally faced going into Rice-Eccles. Normally, no, no. it's the flip. It, it's Normally, it's Utah does not allow, does not give any ground on the on the ground. They are the ones that stuff you. They're the ones that don't let you get a run game going, which makes your offense one-dimensional and really just sets you back. It's it's actually quite strange to go into this matchup realizing that Utah is as vulnerable in the run as Utah is and to think that USC is as effective in the run as USC is. So if you're going to look at, uh, you know, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, but like we have a little section in, in our rundown, the case for USC, and I've written just run the damn ball. Like Utah, for once, is vulnerable. And the key to this game from a USC perspective really shouldn't be Caleb Williams. It really shouldn't be even the defense creating a bunch of turnovers. The game should come down to what USC does on the ground because as you've laid out in all of those statistics, the it's all right there. It's yeah. all right there. And 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 it's interesting too because you point out Utah's ranking in in some of these um, some of these run defense areas. That's with only two truly bad rushing games from their defense. I mean, they uh they gave up 283 yards to Florida on the ground. They gave up 203 yards to UCLA on the ground. Gave up 171 uh to Oregon State on the ground, I think. But you know, the three games in between those losses, or sort of four games if you include the FCS, uh, in between those losses, like it's not like they were letting everybody run all over them either. So I think it goes to show that they were so bad at stopping the run in those two big losses that that's the you know who somebody in the chat said that uh, that UCLA laid the ground laid the the um, the blueprint for how to beat Utah. They absolutely did. And Florida started started with it in the first place. It comes down to the ground. And for once, for once... Feels weird to say that, right? Yes. And, but for once, USC has the perfect... Like, 
we could have gone into past seasons against a lot of teams and said, yeah, the ground game is where this team is vulnerable, but then looked at what USC could do on the ground and say, well, USC is not capable of taking advantage of that, uh, of that matchup. Well, that's not the case this year. USC is capable of taking advantage of that matchup. And it's kind of scary. Like this is, this is what is scary to me about going into a game like this. Cause part of me would almost rather be sure that USC was going to lose and just sort of like be able to let myself go for the weekend and just accept what may come. But like, this is where the hope comes from, right? Like this is exactly where I'm looking at these numbers and going third in line yards, first in opportunity rate. And they're playing a Utah defense. That's 93rd in opportunity defensive mm-hmm. opportunity rate. Yeah. People are wanting more really Brown, right? Yeah. Right. Is this the is this the week? Is this the week that you 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 know really go unleash. all in with with Travis Dye, but also you unleash really Brown? Like there there were questions that we had gotten about like is is Lincoln Riley holding Brown back? Is he is he holding him back for for the Utah game? I don't know. I, I like I I don't necessarily buy into that because while Travis Dye is absolutely more than capable of just being a number one back with really no other rotation guy uh, guys with him, which is how he's been used the last couple of weeks. At the same time, I don't think that you, you shy away from developing a player as with as bright of a future as Brown, especially coming off of an injury. You, I, I think more than anything coming off of an injury, you want to slow him down, which is what they've done. Um, I think if you're going to put him out there, you're going to be willing to give him the ball. And so I I, I think that this could end up being a, a situation where he's just getting them more and more healthy and, and have some run there. Um, but on, on the, the off chance that Lincoln Riley was completely saving, you know, the, the really Brown show, then, Hey, this is the opportunity too. that. I mean, that would be really, really fun to see. I am more inclined to say that, you ride Travis Dye in this game. You give Relic Brown a play here or there where you see if you can catch Utah off guard with his speed. Yeah. But to me, this is this game has Travis Dye built run, you know, uh, written all over it. Because the difference between Travis Dye and what we saw from Austin Jones earlier in the season, what we've seen from Darwin Barlow, what we've seen from Relic Brown himself, is like I do think Travis Dye is helping that opportunity rate. Because he's he's so good at sniffing out where he needs to go on a particular run. Mm-hmm. If the yards are available, he's so good at sniffing them out. And I'm not sure that I can always say that about Brown or about um, uh, about Austin Jones. I think he just is is really really exceptional at taking what yards are there. Yeah. And that's I'm not criticizing really Brown in that sense. He's a freshman. You don't expect that from him. Travis Dye is a a, a senior, a, a super senior at that. So that's just sort of part of growing your vision and growing your your understanding of where you need to go on any given play and how to read your blocks and how to um, you know maximize every play instead of trying to hit a home run on every play, which I think might be really Brown's problem so far. But this is the game where I want to find out if if Relique is ready for the big time, if he's ready for the show, and that is uh, that is something that could be really exciting but even if it doesn't happen i just want travis die to be able to to get the touches that he needs to make a difference in this game and that is that's going to be to me the key for the game is will usc be willing because one of our critiques earlier in the season is 
you know, I think while we were watching the Oregon State game, we were saying, USC, you're down by four. You're not down by 24. Run the ball. And I think you said the same thing against Washington State. Like, USC, you're, you're not like you're not down. You need to just run the ball. Yeah. Um, so that is uh, that's something that I hope Lincoln Riley and this uh, offensive staff are ready to attack. Yeah, I think the case for SC on offense is very simple. It's run the ball and don't be afraid to be methodical. I think one of the things that has been so fascinating about the Trojans this year is that we sort of expected this high-flying, explosive, crazy offense, right? We saw it for the first six halves, first sorry, first six quarters of the, of the season. The You saw it in the Rice game. They were explosive. And you saw it for the first half of the Stanford game. SC has yet to be explosive since then. Uh, halftime in Palo Alto for some Stanford made adjustments and, and SC went a little conservative in the second half. Um, and the explosiveness has not been back since, but what SC has been able to do on offense and the Fresno state game was a prime example of it was get really gritty and, and be methodical and decide that, you know what, we're, we're going to let teams play too high safety and we're not going to, throw into the teeth of it. So you know what we're going to do? We're just going to get a million first downs. We're, we're going to take what the defense is giving us. We're, we're going to, you know, if we need to go to fourth and one, we need to go to fourth and one. And and the the offense that was never, ever seen third down in the first six quarters suddenly became the team that was willing to have a 17-18 play drive like you saw against Fresno State. I think that flexibility gives SC – a lot of chances to beat anyone because they have the ability to play both ways. They can play up tempo. They can slow things down. They can beat you on the ground. They can beat you through the air. They can do whatever you want to do and they can play whatever game you need to play, especially when they have an elite, an elite pass. I mean, sorry, elite run blocking offensive line. Yeah. Uh, mind you, the, the pass protection certainly, um, you know, leaves some issues there, but but you can help the pass protection. You can help the passing right. game in general by if, running the ball, by forcing Utah to have to do like. Right. I want Utah to go into this game thinking, "Hmm, our run defense is our is our Achilles heel. UCLA really, really took it to us. We gotta buckle down on the run defense, and we gotta like we have to focus all of that. And that could be good for USC too, because if USC just comes out running initially, and Utah has to really get in there and stack the box. Caleb Williams can can absolutely destroy you on uh, in the passing game, and USC has the the playmakers in the in the receiving core to destroy you in the passing game. So let Utah, like I said with Washington State, force Utah to prove that they can stop you first, and then burn them for it because they've yeah. had to say, well, we're not going to get beat on the on the ground. So here we go. Or if Utah decides you know what, fine, let USC run on us. We're not going to get beat through the air. Then oblige. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and you you to me, what I, what I want to see is some progress. We've talked about it before. This season is not about wins and losses. It's about eye test. Uh, and I want to really stick to that, to that mindset and as I sort of judge the Trojans this season. Mm -hmm. And I want to see progress from the Oregon State game. This is going to be a tough road game in a tough road environment. Uh, Rice Eccles is not a place where SC plays well. The only time they won, they've won there is the the the, the game that 
you know, was in the middle of a pandemic that prevented a, a full stadium from yeah. being there, right? Uh, it, it is a raucous environment. Um, and SC's two difficult games so far this season, um, or, or two of the games where they, they've struggled particularly have been the road games at Stanford uh, in week two, um, gave up 28 points on, on defense, and the Oregon State game that they had to pull out with the Neil on the at the end. And that one was particularly a, a poor game from Caleb Williams. We talked about it. He completed 44.4% of his passes. He was really off. He's errant all night, all of that. I want to see improvement on that side. I want to see that Caleb Williams goes into this game in a hostile environment and plays better. In addition to that, I want to see that SC makes sure that he doesn't have to be Superman. DTR was Superman last week and absolutely destroyed Utah at, at plenty of opportunities. DTR and, and Zach Charbonnet at running back for UCLA put on a spectacle. For SC, I don't think you want you necessarily need Caleb Williams to be that Superman type when you look back at the Oregon State game and they were sort of begging him to be, and it wasn't there for him, right? So then go into the run game more and make things simpler. Allow yourself to be more methodical. Take what the defense has given you. Play within yourself. And if you have to grind it out, that's fine. This is one game against Utah. I think it would be fascinating to see what SC can do. And this is, but this is a game that you like. Not just you don't want to have to depend on Caleb Williams being Superman. That could actively hurt you if Caleb Williams thinks he has to be Superman in this game. Right. There's a discussion in the chat right now about whether or not Utah's pass defense is any good. Um, so uh, Malcolm in the chat pointed out that uh, they rank 106th in yards per completion. Uh, for the opponents. Yeah, they're giving up a lot of yards per, per completion, but they're also leading the nation in interceptions. They're also 19th in pass defense. With, they're giving up 179 yards per game in, uh, through the air. 24th in defensive passer rating, 114th, 114.77 uh, defensive passer rating. Those are very good numbers. Why are they very good? Because they force you into mistakes. Yeah. Because they take advantage when you give them a mistake because they force turnovers. And that is what I want from Caleb Williams to, to, to recognize and understand. He played with fire against Oregon State as far as the potential for turnovers in that game. Clearly, it was, a, it was more of a one-off, and he's settled down. He's only committed one turnover this entire season, so I'm not, I'm not worried necessarily about him being turnover-prone. But the way you lose to Utah is by turning the ball over. Ask Oregon State what happened in, in a game that – that uh, went just out the window because they turned the ball over. It really does come down to be willing to grind, be willing to take what they give you because the moment you try to force it is the moment they have you right where they want you. Right. Cause they're going to be even more uh, just as opportunistic as USC has been by, by getting the turnover and it won't matter what yards they gave up or what their downs you, they allowed you to convert or anything like that turnovers 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 so don't hero ball this take what's there live to fight another day if you have to and just go for it by doing the little things better than utah does yeah i i i, I don't disagree uh, yeah like like i said th th this is going to be a hostile difficult environment utah coming off of a 
of a loss, I think, is going to be extremely hungry. Uh, they need this win to stay alive in the Pac-12, especially with there's a lot of really good teams in the Pac-12. It looks like there's going to be at least maybe one um, one loss or better team in, in the conference. Uh, correction, Utah is third nationally in interceptions. They have 10 interceptions. USC leads the nation in, in interceptions. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to be a hostile environment. Sorry, and, Clark. <laughs> the reason I said first is because their cornerback Clark Phillips has five interceptions. He leads the nation in interceptions. Yeah, he is the guy who will hurt you if you throw the ball his way and you aren't on target. Aren't on target. Right. And he has two touchdowns from those interceptions too, so he will make you pay for it if you give him that window. Yeah, Utah's defense, especially on the back end, I think reminds me a lot of what SC wants to do defensively. So. Uh, for me, I think we both agree that this is all about the running game for USC. If you go all in on the running game and um, SC, we know SC has the weapons in the passing game, run to pass in this game, take advantage of what the defense has given you, um, and you know, stay controlled and, and try to eliminate the, the rattledness of the passing game that we saw uh, in Corvallis a few weeks ago. Yeah, and that's another reason that I would argue that USC should go into this game ready to lean on the run and asking Caleb to only do the little things because we saw him get rattled against Oregon State. Yeah. We saw well, that's him... why I talk about, like, I want to see progress. I want to see progress yeah. from, okay, you're rattled in, the, in that game, and, well, let's see what corrections are made, not only from him, but from the scheme around him yeah. to not require, you know, the Superman effort, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Let's flip, flip the uh, sides of the ball over here. Talking about Utah's offense, of course, led by Cam Rising. Uh, we talked about this uh, in the open. They have playmakers, Rising, uh, Tavion Thomas at running back, uh, Devon Bailey uh, at, at wide receiver. Uh, a familiar name. Uh, only two catches, 18 yards, but Munir McLean mm-hmm. uh, is, is a Ute. Uh, the the former Trojan. Uh, the Utes are 14th in scoring offense, uh, 26th in yards per play. Um, this is a dynamic offense that you know isn't gonna isn't gonna gain 600 yards on you, probably not. But um, they're very capable of competing in sort of any game that you want to play. Last week, UCLA was more than content with airing things out and allowing it to be a little bit of a shootout and Utah obliged and and played their role, scored 32 points uh, in a game in which they still had turnover issues in that game. Came, well, and that's, rising with a couple of picks. And that is really the key on this other side to me, this offense more in the games where they're not losing this Utah offense is doing exactly what we were imploring USC's offense to do. Take care of the ball. Don't risk it. Don't gift the the defense anything. And they, you know, the 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 proof is in the pudding that they're 13th nationally in sacks allowed. They're not giving up a bunch of sacks. Cam Rising's mobility is probably part of that, just like Caleb Williams' mobility is part of USC's numbers. They're 28th in turnovers lost, six turnovers this season. Five more than USC, but that's still a very good number through six games. And they are pretty efficient. Uh, mm-hmm. Cam Rising has a passer rating that's ranked 18th nationally, 163.91. So that efficiency of their offense is exactly what USC doesn't want to see, I think, yeah. because this USC defense is all about making you inefficient. Um, you can drive down the field, but we're you know you're going to get that you're going to get your sacks and you're going to create your havoc plays and you're going to force the turnover and then you're going to ultimately win the drive. 
this Utah offense is set up to maybe counter that a little bit. The thing that gives you hope from this side of the ball is that we saw UCLA turn Cam Rising into somebody who throws interceptions. And he had been protecting the ball pretty well this season. And the fact that he didn't protect the ball in that game is why that game wasn't more of like, if he doesn't have those turnovers, then maybe it is a 40 to something shootout, like a a true shootout where Utah has more of a chance. One one pick, by the way, I think the other thing was a fumble. Yeah. Turnovers either way. Um, But yeah, this is, I think this is a game that comes down to can USC continue? It's the, it's the question we've been asking this whole way. And what I talked about in previous episodes that we've got to start giving this USC defense credit for six games of the same thing. So it's a trend. It's not just a fluke. I think we have to, we have to start giving them more credit for that. But, but you always sort of feel like maybe they'll, maybe it'll run out. And and if this is the week that it runs out, then you're going to be in trouble. But, at, at what point I, I go back to what we talked about uh, in in the car cast or, or whenever it was that that I said this like yes uh, SC is you know has played tight games and the defense has you know answered the bell time and time again and you, you can say that maybe it'll run out maybe the turnover luck and all these things come out but like at what point is do we just sit here and say, no, this is what the defense is. Well, no, the defense act, like is legitimately good when you look at all the things that they're ranked in the top 10. The offensive line, legitimately great in, in forcing havoc plays. Tuli Tui Pelotu is legitimately an All-American candidate when he is second in the country in tackles for loss. And this is what the team is, yeah. and they are battle-tested. And they haven't tur- made, created turnovers the last two weeks, and it hasn't yes. made a difference. Yeah, they, they've played close games. Uh, we, we've seen this team play close games. The, the Stanford game could have been closer, at, but it wasn't, right? Uh, even though th- there were struggles on on defense in, in that Stanford game, uh, it was managed. Uh, the Oregon State game was won because of the defense. Uh, the ASU game was won... Uh, in part because of the the adjustments on defense that really helped SC blow it up in the in the second half, uh, the Fresno State game was won because the the defense limited Fresno State's ability to make big plays. They went on a couple long drives, but they they consistently forced you know Fresno State to not go on those long drives when they when they needed to. You know what it, we talked about this in a previous episode but it it's the timing of when this defense gets stops. Right. It's when the pressure is really on to get the stop that they that they get the stop. And that that is a skill. That is absolutely a skill. And obviously you want to be able to get the stop on every drive but like if you're going to if you're going to have to pick and choose which times you get the stop doing it at the right moment uh it, you you can win a lot of games by just timing your stops in the right in the right place, and I think that's yeah. what this defense has done. And that's what well coached teams do, yes. right? Yeah, a- absolutely. And-, and and teams that sort of feel, you know, these these kids are human. They they will react to pressure in one way or another, and and we've seen mm-hmm. many teams react to pressure poorly. Uh, and we, you know, the good teams are the ones that react to pressure 
they that they rise to it. And that is something that I think you you have to give this defense a lot of a, a lot of praise for is that they don't get down and in their heads when they give up a, a big drive. They see, oh, we have to get this stop. We have to get this stop. And then they go out and do it. They rise to the occasion. I think that's uh, something that that is almost hard to teach because so much of that is mentality. So much of that is individual mentality of of the players that are on the field. And I think you can credit coaching staff as, staffs for pulling that mentality out of players, but you also like you you either have it or you don't. And right. uh, and uh, to a certain extent. And I, and I think that's one of the things that I like the most about this defense is that they do seem to have the right mentality, even if they can't always execute at the high level, because we've seen them have those moments where they don't, but they bring the right mentality to the table and they're being rewarded for it throughout the season. Um, Eddie in the chat asks, well, why would the luck run out? What if Utah's luck runs out and they throw seven picks? Yeah, that could happen any game, except Utah's playing at home in front of a, a friendly crowd. And again, these kids are human and you do react to the the energy and atmosphere in a stadium and it can be overwhelming in a stadium like rice Eccles. it can be overwhelming in a stadium like like uh like reeser and we saw what happened for the offense there but at the same time and this might be the thing that maybe maybe is the thing that you cling to as a as a usc fan the defense was at its best in that hostile environment at yeah. reeser Maybe we'll see that from this defense as well in that hostile environment at uh, at Bryce Eccles. I think it's certainly possible, but it's also possible that things, you know, it's the, you know it's a difficult stadium to play in, no matter what you say. Yeah, at, at elevation, uh, it certainly yeah. doesn't help. And the elevation, yeah, definitely don't don't um, leave that as a non-factor. That is absolutely a factor. Yeah, and you know, I, I understand. Uh, the hesitation to talk about the um and intangible things like uh the you know the elevation and the crowd noise and the uh the aura of rice eccles and all that stuff, but I think the proof is in the pudding that when SC goes there and continually struggles uh and or uh plays tight games and and they don't get the things to to go their way at the end of the day and yes those teams are coached by coaches who are not lame lincoln riley absolutely but the other teams have gone to rice eccles and faced the similar fate so that, that's my thing is usc isn't the only team that struggles yeah. in salt lake city and again like it's not just the crowd at rice eccles rice eccles absolutely plays a role but it's the travel it's the air it's the flight it's yeah. the elevation. It's the all of the things that go Good into. Good teams lose on the road. Yes. Yeah. This is this is what happens. Yeah. Uh, Georgia struggled at Missouri, but pulled it out because they're a good team, right? So uh, these things happen, and and for SC, uh, you know, like we talked about on um, on on defense, the biggest struggle was at Stanford, giving up twenty eight points, and for offense, the biggest struggle was at Oregon State, um, where they only scored seventeen. So. Uh, SC's got to find a way to make sure that uh, those remain the the outliers there um, in terms of production, uh, and that SC's able to go into 
Bryce Eccles and um, put together a performance that is worthy of a victory. But and that's the, that's the other thing too is is it sort of worked out well the progression of the of the road games. Yeah. Because you got Stanford, which was your first travel test, which is really just less about the stadium and more about just the the mode of travel. Um, you get Reeser, which is longer travel, more hostile atmosphere, but also kind of nipped in the butt a little bit because of of the uh, the construction and all of that. And we heard coaches afterwards admit that they hadn't necessarily taken the atmosphere at Oregon State seriously or as seriously as they as they realize that they need to. Learning from that is certainly something that is that is a, a, a certain possibility mm-hmm. that they've now learned they've had chances to figure out okay this is how our team's going to respond to travel this is how our team's going to respond to a raucous atmosphere maybe this week as coaches we need to focus a lot more on you know what no one's going to take rice eccles not seriously yeah. it's too it's too well known and that's, you have to be able to too, yeah. to and and like you were talking about like this is all the learning process. This is all the the eye test that we're looking for, the progression, the growth that we're looking for. They get to prove that to us. And and w- mm-hmm. when we're talking about it, like we're not saying it is or isn't going to happen. I'm not saying that that the turnover luck or any any other luck on defense is going to run out because I think this defense is creating its own luck. Um but uh but we're also just floating out the possibilities of of this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. What's going to be really fun is seeing USC either prove us wrong by 100% going out there and just balling out or showing us that, no, this team does still need some work. They're not quite ready for the big time, and that'll be okay because we aren't expecting them to be ready for the big time at this point. Um, And as you just put in the chat, uh, Salt Lake City is is 4,300 feet. As someone who was born in the valley, grew up in the valley, lives in the valley, and does a lot of hiking, any oh, amount of oh, elevation. Oh, hold on, you guys are the valley, not not the, the San Fernando Valley. Okay, I was yes. just gonna, I was just gonna say, like, if you're in Utah, the valley is a different thing. Any amount of elevation <laughs> change from what you are normal with can screw with you in a, a way that you don't expect. And some people are like they've got like mountain blood and it doesn't affect them at all. But like <laughs> I do not have mountain blood. If I go up even a little bit, I feel it immediately. If I if I'm doing hikes, I have to take ibuprofen if I'm going to go up even near mile high, which is what uh what um <laughs> which is what Salt Lake City is is around. If I'm even going up near mile high, I have to take ibuprofen because I get elevation sickness. So like it's a thing. Uh, Eddie says maybe less pessimistic Alicia for 16-0. Why are you so pessimistic? I just don't. Okay. Can I, can I talk about this for a second though? Like, I don't think I'm pessimistic. I think I'm, I don't think I'm any more pessimistic than anyone who has plugged in the numbers for this game and chugged out that USC is an underdog. And we're going to talk about Vegas line says USC is an underdog. Bill Connolly's line says USC is an underdog. Sagarin has Utah ranked ahead of USC. So they would be an un- underdog in those in those rankings. Like I don't think I'm being pessimistic by acknowledging that this team is the underdog here and that this team has um, hurdles to deal with. 
in fact, I think this team could could absolutely go out and, and shock some people and surprise some people and show the, the lessons that they've learned from this season. But I don't think that makes me a pessimist to sit here and say that, like, yeah, USC has a mountain to climb here, and climbing mountains is not easy, and thus it's well, going to be difficult. To climb, yeah. yeah, like literally a mountain climb. <laughs> it's going to be difficult for this USC team. I think anyone who says that this is going to be easy for USC is is taking a shot in the dark and if it is us easy for usc it wasn't because you realized because you had some sort of insight that the rest of us didn't it's just because you took a shot in the dark and clocks are right twice a day like yeah well i, I hope you're going to be right in the over under so let's get to our over under you though <laughs> no i don't i hope you're wrong like always <laughs> yeah let's get into our over under and make the picks for USC and Utah. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. 
When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Of course, going into the this week, you uh, trail me by two games. I have a, uh, I am twenty, I am twenty three and twenty one. You are twenty one and twenty three. We are true inverse as we continue to be. Uh, what is your first over under for USC and Utah? All right, I am going with a rushing yards over under. I'm going one hundred eighty one point five rushing yards for USC, and I tell it's. Honestly, it's a bit high for me, but you're, you're indicating some upward fingers pointing, so maybe I'm, I'm baiting you the right way. But um, USC had 181 against Washington State. It was the best rushing performance, I think, the most committed rushing performance that we've seen from USC so far. Um, Utah has limited everybody that they faced to under 171 rushing yards, except for Florida and UCLA, who absolutely destroyed them. Florida had uh, had plus 200. UCLA had plus 200. Zach Charbonnet had almost 200. Um, this Utah rushing attack can, sorry, rushing defense can be gotten for about 200 yards. I guess my question is, will USC, will USC and Lincoln Riley be as interested in running the ball as Chip Kelly and UCLA. Because the one thing I'll say about Chip Kelly, one of the things I admire about Chip Kelly is if he can run the ball, he runs the damn ball. Like, just, he goes. He goes and he murders you. He's done this to USC if he senses that weakness in you. I'm not sure that uh, that Lincoln has shown me that he's ready to just say, you can't stop us on the ground, so we're just going to run at you. Like, I'm not sure about that. I so I'm gonna obviously take the, the yeah. Over you're taking here. the over here. Um, first of all, I why don't we have? We need to get paddles to say over under. Oh just yeah, just do up. a like, little do 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 for that, our. That would, uh, that would be cool for our YouTube audience. Over, like like yeah, that's what we need to do. We can put that together some <laughs> some point. Um, but yeah, a little bit of a visual bit. But here's the thing: I'm taking the over. If SC wins this game, they get that over. SC, the, like, like we talked about, the key to, to SC winning this game is committing to the run um, and making them pay on the ground. And if SC does that, they're going to put themselves in a position to have success in this game. So um, this is, maybe call this a willful over, a, a whatever you want to call it, hopeful over, I don't know. Um, but if SC wins this game, it will be because they got the over on the rushing yards. Uh, my first over-under is also going to be rushing yards, but we're going to talk about the other side of the ball, Cam Rising. Th- this is a key element of this, is Cam Rising's rushing ability. He had 91 yards at Florida in Week 1, 73 at home against Oregon State, and 59 last week, uh, 51 of those were on the scramble last week against UCLA. SC has not faced a running quarterback who uh, is as effective as that. Cam Ward is 
um, certainly athletic, but he's not someone who wants to run all the time. Uh, he doesn't have the production on the ground as, as a runner. We talked about that last week. Emory Jones was the guy who's probably the most comparable in terms of someone who is willing to run. Um, and ST struggled at times with Emory Jones, particularly in the first half. They allowed a, a, a scramble for a touchdown. Uh, Emory Jones had 28 scramble yards in that game. Um, but 74 and a half is the number for Cam rising rushing yards over under. Okay. I don't, I, I would love to to have the stats on this, but I think you have put over the years, you have often given me an over under for quarterback rushing yards. Yeah. And I think the play is always to go with the under. I think it just, it that's sounds the high, right? Yeah. Just go with the under. Um, my hope here would be that uh, this this defense has really focused on keeping things in front of them. So while Rising might get away a few times, he'd still need like three plus 20-yard runs in order to get that total. I mean, he could get that total in one yeah. run. So I, it sort of it could go either way. But I do think that USC tries to keep things in front of them. They're, they're tackling better. And in general, in playing the game that we're playing with the over-unders, it's probably just safer to go under. I'm going under. That's that's probably a good play too because again, it's called triple and sacks are included. Yes, and I, I would never put the over under on a quarterback at seventy four and a half. I only did it because that's the average that he had against Florida, Oregon State, and UCLA. Like, yeah, it, it, it's crazy how much he's able to run um, with, with the guy who is not necessarily run first, right? Like, he, yeah, he, he's not a run first quarterback, but he absolutely can can make you pay. Um, and Malcolm in the chat said, and he can run, he'll stiff arm your ass too. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he's incredibly physical. Um, he's quick. Um, and, and he is someone who can flip the script for SC, um, probably a better runner than, than Caleb Williams is. Um, and, and at least production wise so far this year, that, I, that, that has been bared out. Certainly more willing. I think, I think, that, yes. I think that rising seems to have a good understanding of like, the maximum yards I'm going to get here is by running. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, something He's that, really efficient in how he runs. Yes. And Caleb could learn a little bit from that because there have been a couple times where, you know, and it's a push and pull. You don't want your quarterback running. You don't want him risking his body. You don't want him getting hit. So it's a push and pull. Certainly there are worse things that Caleb could do than not run. But there have also been opportunities for him to run and to get more yards than than he would have otherwise gotten. So... Um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, he's a good runner, but, uh, I still don't think 74 yards is a it, good it's, play. It's a high line. Like I said, it's a high line, but it's only a high line because he's demanded it. So, uh, all right. Uh, over under what's your next one. My next one is about turnovers and it scares me. I'm going 1.5 USC turnovers. Now it scares mm. me because USC has been under on this in every game only have one turnover all season. On the flip side, Utah has forced a turnover in every game this season, and they have forced more than one turnover in every game except for their losses to UCLA and Florida. So not that I'm saying, you know, correlation equals causation or whatever, but turnovers sure. are absolutely one of those things that do play such a huge role on a game. It doesn't miss me that Utah has not forced 
more than one turnover in the games that they've lost. So it could seriously be that if USC gets out of this with with less than two turnovers, the chances of them winning are, to me, very high. 1.5 turnovers. Uh, 1.5 is difficult because if it was 0.5, I'd take the over. If it was 2.5, I'd take the under. Yeah. I didn't want to make it easy for you no, or the, I, or I the folks well, picking at home. I, I'm going to take the under on the 1.5. I could see SC having a turnover in this game. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I That's that's not crazy, right? Um, I mean, two straight games, Caleb Williams has thrown one. Uh, the, the last week's was was overturned on a penalty that, that got taken away. But um, yeah, I, I, I yes. Um, if it's the over, like you said, it's going to be danger zone for SC the over but what did you take i'm, I'm taking the 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 under you're taking the under okay yeah yeah uh absolutely which locks you into the over uh my next one is going to be 1.5 tuli tui below two tackles for loss he is averaging 2.08 per game number two in the nation of course he had four tackles for loss at stanford and four tackles for loss against Washington State. So he's gotten them in bunches. In two of the games, he had eight of the of the 12 and a half that he has so far in the season. Now, mind you, UCLA as a team had three tackles for loss last week against Utah. So over under one and a half tackles for loss um, for, for Tule Tuipolo 2 against Utah. This it's a toughie, huh? It's difficult. One and a half. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. Let me let me talk this out. All right, go for it. My instinct is the over because Thule is that good, and I believe in him at this point in his production. But Tackles for loss are sort of a weird thing. You could get them by a sack, which I think Thule could get a sack. But, like, Utah could also focus all their energy on not getting burned by Tupelo, too, which is what I would do if I were them. And he could be shut down in this game by no fault of his own, necessarily, if they're double-teaming him on every play. Mm-hmm. And others could get the tackles for loss yeah, or the sacks. So I feel uncomfortable taking the over. Mm. So like my brain is screaming, take the under. You gotta but pick like one. My feelings are like, get the over. Get the over, Alicia. I'm gonna go Come on, just pick one. Over uh, or under, flip a coin, something. I feel like I'm flipping a coin in my brain. Um, I'm gonna go under. I'm just going under. I'm going to start doing the uh, we have to do the, Julie Chen Moonbez. I need your answers. I need answers, please. <laughs> uh, so you'll take the under. I'm You're taking, taking the under. under one and a half, Tuli Tui, Polo Tui. Yeah, I, I don't want to like doubt Tuli, but also it's hard to get tackles. It's hard to get these kinds of stats in consecutive games just across the board. It's just difficult. I, I He could still have a good game and not hit those stat marks so i don't know all right what's your what's your last line all right it's rice eccles they're gonna be uh looking for false starts so i'm going with false starts 
2.5 USD false starts. I don't need to add much more to that because it's mm-hmm. it's rice cycles. This one's a great one because the must will will keep tally and they'll keep showing it to us on the the yes. broadcast. Yes. Um, two and a half false starts for USC. Over the only under. problem and- here is that like the so the stats that we have available to us are like overall penalties. I yeah. wish I had like false start. Like, what is the average false start at Rice Eccles this season? Like, I'd like to know, but I, I don't have time to look that up. I have a take here. What? It's going to be under, and I have okay. a reason for the under. Okay. Um. So we know SC struggled with the with the noise at in Corvallis, right? Like, that was a problem. How many times did they take forever to get the play in? All those timeouts they kept having, the delay of games, like all that stuff was an Big issue in Corvallis. That cannot be a problem at Rice Eccles or else SC's losing the game. Um, having said that, mm-hmm. one of the areas where I think Utah is very good is their late their late pre-snap adjustments on the on the defensive line. And that has triggered many a false starts in USC history against the Utes. And who does that now? USC. USC's defensive line does that all the time. Uh, and it's been one of the things where I've really liked that. I think that, that that's it's it's a good thing to adjust there at the end, give give the, the offense a different look, um, take away the ability to adjust their their line calls and their blocking schemes and all that stuff. Um, but also if a team is gonna commit a false start because of it, awesome. Go ahead and do it. Love it. But USC's defensive line practicing that and SC having to play against it all the time, I think will take away some of the bite of that, even though this is still going to be in a loud environment. So give me the under. Okay. That's I think that's fair. I I'm I may regret setting that line where I set it. Yeah. By Saturday. It's I think it's a good line because two and a half sounds sounds like a good full start uh line at, at a Bryce Eccles. Uh, my last one's going to be tw- 22 and a half. 22 and a half. Travis Dye carries. He had 28 last week against Washington State, a season high, the first time all season he had gotten over the 20 mark. Uh, first time he had gotten over 19. First time he got into the 20s. Uh, oh, 22 and a half is the line for Travis Dye. Of course, as we talked about it earlier, if you're if you're late to the show here on, on YouTube, uh, USC is number one in the nation in opportunity rate. And uh, Utah's defensive line, 93rd. There is plenty of opportunity for USC to run the ball in this game. 22.5, Travis Dye carries. What say you? I'm going over on this. I feel pretty good, too, about it. I think that for for whatever reason that we aren't privy to, Austin Jones has sort of fallen out of the rotation. And Relique Brown is going to get some carries, but I don't know that it's going to be a full load of carries. Like, I'm not sure that instantly one week to the next, we're going to see Relique Brown getting 12 carries or 15 carries and really splitting uh, the job with the, with, with die. I think die is the man in this offense on, in the, on the ground and he's going to keep getting those carries. And I think there will be opportunities to run in this game. So yeah, I'll go over on that one. All right, we'll we'll see if SC can commit to the run uh, with Travis Dye, or be interesting if really Brown does get a bunch of carries, could take away from Travis Dye too. So uh, we will see 
Uh, we did add one more here from Alex on YouTube. 28 and a half points allowed by USC. So 28 and a half points for the Utah Utes. What do you got? I'm going over, and I will explain more when we get to our score predictions. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Alicia, mark me down for the under. Under. Going under on 28, 28 and a half points for the Utes. And let's get into the game predictions. But everyone has come for, of course. Uh, Bill Connolly says the Utes will win by 6.8 points. Uh, the margin is uh, 35-28. SP Plus numbers have a win probability for USC at 35%, just over a third. Vegas has the line three and a half points in favor of the Utah Utes uh, with an over-under of 65. Um, three and a half points. Does that mean the the, the, U, it's the a, it's Utah a is a half point favorite on a neutral field? Maybe I don't know. What what, what do you got? I got a big old shrug. You know, remember back in the you've written in your prediction, and in, this is in the heyday of the Clay Helton era. Uh, our good friend Darlene, I think she even made a shirt of it. It was the the shrug emoji. Mm-hmm. Just in cardinal world, just like ooh, big old shrug. You you see the the prediction that I've put in here. Yeah, I've changed I, that three I, times. Okay, and no, I was about I, to change it again. So have you locked in, into this? This is what you're. Gonna I don't. Tell the I don't know. I don't. Huh. I don't like it. But I can't not. I can't just. Okay. So here's the problem. Here's the problem. Number one, I think USC's defense is better than anyone has given them credit for. And we should respect them and put some respect on their name and stop doubting them. They are a better defense than than anyone will acknowledge. And we are acknowledging it here, which means that I need to give a score prediction that acknowledges the strength of this defense. So my first one was Utah 24, USC 20. And then I thought, no, USC's defense is a sub-20 defense. So maybe it's Utah 18, USC 14. But then I was like, no, that doesn't work. USC's offense, under no circumstances, is scoring 14 points. This Utah defense is good, but they're not that good. This USC offense can trip their way to more than 14 points. So that's an idiotic take. Yeah, so but then, how did you get to SC 70 and Utah 12? <laughs> so then I was like, let's course correct. Let's go Utah. Uh, let's let's say USC is going to score 30 points or more in this game. Yes? Well, that means that Utah has to score more than 30 points in this game too. So not that much more than 30. So maybe I'll go Utah 33, USC 30, which is the score that you see written in our game predictions. But I still don't feel good about that because that requires me to disrespect USC's defense by putting them above 33, above 30. But this is where we get back to the over-under. Over-under 28.5 points allowed by USC. What does my brain say? My brain says over. What does my heart say? Put some respect on that defense name but then you know what my sports okay hold on i'm almost there i'm almost there counselor i'm getting to the point uh years decades of sports 
watching, sports rooting, sports analyzing, all of these things. It's taught me. Reverse psychology works. So, <laughs> so I am sticking with Utah 33, USC 30. I am disrespecting USC's defense. Go out and prove me wrong. So 33-30, Utah is your final answer. Yes. So you have and, SC covering. Yes, and I look forward to losing my bet, my not bet here. Yeah, R- Richard says, just pick the win, Alicia. I can't do it. Mar- I can't do Mar- it. Mara says, we all know she's picking Utah. I can't. I'm picking Utah. I look forward to the reverse psychology working. I refuse <laughs> to pick USC here. If USC wins, I'll take the L on this element and uh and and just yeah and i'll come on the car cast and i'll say put some respect on that defense's name i didn't now you've learned from my mistake okay so we were on a a sister show over on the fantasy network for bet sided which is a gaming site a um a sports sports gambling site Oh, that's right. Um, and my pick on that was the, the show is called Early Read. Go watch it with 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 Reed Wallach. It's a very fun show, um, and Reed does a hell of a job. And we've tweeted out a million links to it, so go check it out. On that thing, Alicia's gone backwards on her pick. By the way, did you not listen to any part of my rant I've, about going I've, backwards on I've, everything? I got lost in the middle of it. <laughs> uh, no, but I am going to stick with my prediction that I gave there, which was the over under is at sixty five. This is going to be under. This is going. I think this is going to be a dogfight, but. Not in a high-flying dogfight. This is going to be a grudge match. But weirdly, I could see it being a high-flying dogfight because how many times have we predicted a dogfight and then it's just been like Yeah, but I I think SC has the ability to play a high and low-scoring game. Yes. We've seen it so far this year. They've won both. (laughs) Hence my hesitation. So here we go. Um, Cigar wants it. Here, Here it is. SC wins Saturday night. Book it. Calling it. SC wins 27-24. See, here's my favorite thing, though. You didn't change your Stanford prediction because you didn't want to look like an idiot because you picked it in the preseason. And yeah. now you're changing your Utah prediction. That was two months ago. The season <laughs> prediction episode was two months ago. I can change my prediction now. It's been a while. Okay. It, it, it's it's still been a while. Okay. Michael's, Michael's your king now, guys. 27-24 is my prediction. I think it's going to be a hell of a hell of a game. And if it was SC losing 27-24, I could see that too. Like I think it's going to be a really close close game. Big and old shrug. I have no idea. I, I think this will live up to the hype. It is by far the best game of the prime time. Everyone's going to be watching this thing. Um, Clemson, Florida State. Who really cares? Uh, Notre Dame is going to demolish Stanford. Um, SC Utah is the game of the night. And um, it will live up to the hype. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Uh, all right, let's get to the mailbag and answer people's questions. Uh, if you've got questions here on YouTube, fire away. Put question at the beginning. We can tag them and and mark them to to read. Um, and uh, we'll we'll start with one that we got early on at the very beginning of the um, beginning of the episode before we even started. It was waiting for us in the chat. From Manuel, who says, Hi, Alicia and Michael. My wife and I are headed to Utah for the game. 
first time for us to watch the team in another stadium and first time in Salt Lake City. Any pointers on going to the game or places to visit? This is awesome. You have picked an amazing game to go to. Yes, you have. For your first road, road game. Big big ups there. Um, Rice Eccles, Rice Eccles Stadium. Uh, tips on going to the game or places to visit? Alicia, what, you, what, what would you suggest? Uh, go get lunch, depending on how long you're staying, at Mo Betta's, uh, which is a Hawaiian barbecue. That's that's where you're gonna go. Yeah. Okay. What was the place where we held the uh, the meetup? That was a cool place. Um, can't remember. Hmm. Struggle. Hmm. I greatly enjoyed my time in Salt Lake City when we went to visit. Big ups to Dave uh, the Greater and Dave the Lesser for helping to facilitate uh, our stay there. Um, but yeah, I, I, the thing I remember is Mobetas. <laughs> okay, Mobetas is very good. Mobetas is like um, uh, L and L. It's like L and L or L Hawaiian. Yes, yeah, it's it's like that. But but there's there's a bunch of them in Utah, and it's very good. Yeah, highly recommend Mobetas. Hoppers. Hoppers. Uh, Dave from Orange County says that's where we had the the meetup last time in 2018. Four years ago. That's great. How's that was been wild. That was the biggest meetup we've ever had. It yeah. was awesome. It was a blast. We Shocking like for us. 45, to, 50 people there. Yeah, was, we, we were just sort of hanging out and we we had like a crowd that was sort of more normal for us, you know, like a dozen people or so. And then just people started streaming in and we we're like, oh, no, we need more tables. And oh, no. Like, oh, yeah. my gosh. I, I have less sp- specific um places to recommend in utah and more things to eat in utah um so week one when i was not here we i I talked about this in the last episode i drove with my best friend from dallas to seattle we stopped we spent a a like half hour in um ogden utah we drove around salt lake city as we were driving through there um and we went to an old mom and pop soda shop where they did the uh like the old sodas with the like handmade soda. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to go to a soda shop in Utah and you have to go somewhere where you can get fry sauce. Fry sauce. Yes. Those are the two things. Yes. So um, if you can find some place that does both of them, go for it. But those are the two things that I think you want to do in Utah. Now, also in the chat, Glenn says whiskey street bar and dining on main street in Salt Lake city. And he also said the blue iguana yeah. for Mexican. Yeah. Um, there's a blue iguana and a red iguana, and apparently the blue iguana is the one. Or the, there's a debate in the chat. We'll we'll, we'll update you about some, which one. Some sort of uh, iguana place. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, uh, the so going Wait. to Rice Eccles, there is a um, depending on where you're staying, of course, there is a um, train station, a um, light rail stop right there at the stadium. That is could be Clutch. useful depending on uh, again where you, where you are. One of my I our, our friend uh, Kenny from Travel Hits Thursdays in the chat, and I told him all all week that I did not want to. I, I want him to go in with with a. A virgin experience in Utah, and not tainted, because <laughs> I'm so curious what his what his experience will be like at so, Rice Eccles. So, Kenny, so, plug your ears for a second. 
I, when we went to Rice Eccles in 2018, I had such high hopes. We had heard so many good things. We were on campus. Um, we we tailgated with with our with our friends, uh, Dave from Orange County. Uh, Dave the Greater was there. Uh, Richard, who's in the chat, was there. The campus environment was bizarre to me in that it was completely dead. Yes. It was surreal. Yes. How on campus, even like two, three hours before the game, it was like watching, it was like walking through SC's campus in July. Yes. And I'm like, like it was like his class this, out of this, session. This is weird, right? Like it yeah. was w- bizarre. Like it did not make any sense to me Yeah, that there was barely anybody on campus. Um, I think the reality of that is because they do all their tailgating down the street in a different lot. Um, and I haven't been there enough to tell you what that lot is, but it's down the street uh, from the stadium. So, yeah, don't necessarily go on campus and around like the student union and stuff to look for things to do because yeah. uh, it's a little quiet, a little quiet on game day. Yeah. Um, but Rice Eccles is a stadium, nice little neat stadium. Um, it is loud. I don't think it's necessarily as loud as um, – I haven't been at Autzen, but like I, I don't think it's as loud as maybe – Sun Devil Stadium at its peak, and maybe that's a hot take. I, I like Rice Eccles, and I think it is a great venue. It's got a great view of the Wasatch Mountains and all that, but um, it's a great spot. It's a great place to go. Um, the press box is great. I, I have nothing negative to say. It's a, it's a good place. I like it. You'll, you'll enjoy it. More food updates. Uh, Rodizio Brazilian Steakhouse is suggested by Daniel, who also says that uh, Lucky 13 is excellent. Larry suggested Lucky 13. And Tres Hombres. Not far from the stadium. Hit uh, on Divers, Drive-Ins, and Dives, I think. Divers and Diners show. I think it's Drive-Ins, Diners, diners and Dives. I don't diners, know. Drive-Ins, diners, and Dives. You clearly do not Jeez. like Guy Fieri, do yeah. you? Uh, don't wow. do Cafe Rio, says Mark. Um, apparently, we've determined that it is the red iguana. Uh, have you ever been to Cafe Rio, Alicia? No. I've got takes. I'll save them for off air. Uh, Choco Rama, Tres Hombres, Pie Pizzeria, Proper Burger. Uh, yeah, it sounds like people. It sounds like people are, are. There's a. There's a lot of places. So, yeah, yeah, uh, plenty of places to go. Um, uh, enjoy it for there. Richard says peak loudness. Washington is louder than Oregon. Who's louder than ASU? Which is louder than Utah? Um, I think that's probably right. I think one of the things about Rice Eccles, though, is that it's it's a consistent drone. And, so here's, and there's absolutely – and I think that one of the reasons why that's the case is how the stadium is built. Um, I think if the – Washington has the roof. Um, Autzen has a roof on one side. Uh, um, Sun Devil Stadium has the mountain and uh, an upper deck, and I think that helps sound. Um, Utah doesn't really have it quite to the same effect. I wish I could be at Rice Eccles for this game because I think when we were there, it and we both agreed too that the atmosphere around that game was not, it wasn't hype. Like it, it was, it was strange. That that that's that's what I remember. So, yeah, this is this will be hype. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's start back with our long <laughs> list of questions that we've been. <sighs> yeah, let's roll. That we have been starring from the beginning. Uh, Eddie says, uh, is Utah stubborn enough to play man all game? And if so, will Caleb have five touchdowns and 
400 total yards. Hey, DTR had four touchdowns, and I don't know how many total yards, but it was a sure bunch of them, so it can be done. Yeah, I, I think Utah has learned not to play man against SC. Yeah. Yeah. You I, would I, think. I don't know. You yeah. would think. I mean, SC doesn't probably doesn't have a, a physical receiver like Michael Pittman to just moss dudes. Um because Michael Pittman and, and Drake London are just such crazy outliers. But um yeah, you play man on SC uh throughout the whole game, and I think SC will will burn you for sure. Uh Cameron says his right tackle is a top five hardest places to play, you think. I I it, it's certainly on that list. Um for the altitude, the the sounds, um, all of those things. It's yes, I, I given SC's track record, which is not great there, I think you have to include it. Yes. Alex says, are you glad USC is an underdog? Personally, yes, because I, I like the idea of the coaching staff getting to put some bulletin board material up all week and say, people think that, you know, you're a top 10 team. You lost your number six ranking. You got jumped by Tennessee. You're, you're down to number seven in the APA people. They are doubting you. They don't believe in you. Yeah. They, they don't think you're real. And I would love to see the team respond to that. Yeah, I this is one of the things I think is really great about SC six and O SC is six and O and you should be over the moon for that for a million reasons. A, because you're six and O it's college football. Not everyone is six and O and enjoy every moment, live life, all of that. At the same time, this is a six and O where SC has yet to play their best game. And that is a good thing. That is a really good SC thing. SC has yet to play their best game. They're an underdog in this game. And the talk of the town right now is UCLA. Yes, so which could make SC dangerous in that sense. Yep. Uh, we, we will see. Um, Jay says, will USC have a complete game this weekend against Utah because they haven't had a complete game yet? Maybe this week they will. Hey. Well, this question just being right <laughs> on cue. Yeah, I, I think my problem with predicting a complete game in this is that uh, I still don't trust special teams to come through. Like Wazoo was a, was a good showing for special teams, but complete games require special teams to be on board too. And and if ever there was going to be a special teams nightmare, it probably comes in this game. Alex with an interesting question here. What's when playing on the road, which has a bigger impact on results stadium atmosphere or logistics of travel, such as sleeping in hotels and the drag of spending hours in cramped buses and plane seats. I'm going to go with stadium atmosphere. If the stadium atmosphere is, is legit. And that's just because these are humans with emotions and you can get too high with your emotion and have that hit you down. Um, the other team can get, can just get revved up. Like it's proven too. like there's science that shows that being pumped up, like that there are external forces that can pump you up, that can amp your adrenaline, that can just like elevate your, your ability. And it doesn't always work that way, but it does yeah. happen. So yeah, I, I'm. This is so. I I think it's. This is very much a porque no los dos. I mean, yes, thing. it, is, it um, is. Yes. I think the difficulty with the road is it's a change of routine. Yes. Uh, which goes into the whole logis logistics of travel angle. Um, this is why you know teams lose on the road, even the teams that they're way better against. It's not always stadium atmosphere. It can be certainly, um, but I think it's a different environment in general. Um, and then on top of this, so if, if you assume that the team was the same, right, uh, you're playing a equally team and, and equally good team and you're playing one 
uh, one in Death Valley, California, uh, with no fans, and the other one uh, literally at Azteca. Which one's going to be more difficult to play against? Uh, the one that has crazy weird logistics or the one that has uh, a crazy stadium atmosphere? I, I think it's probably the atmosphere. Because the, the stadium logistics, the other team, no. Mm, yeah, but it's a, yeah, stadium atmosphere probably. Yeah. Um, but it's close. Uh, Eddie again says, uh, how has uh, Utah's D gone against two mobile quarterbacks that they have played? Done against the two mobile quarterbacks that they have played, DTR and Emory Jones. Well, DTR killed him, but it wasn't on the, it wasn't necessarily on the ground. He, his, his rushing total was not anything exceptional, exceptional. He absolutely torched them through the air. And the ground game was more through Charbonnet than, uh, than anything. Um, so yeah, so it, it wasn't necessarily that. It wasn't necessarily the scrambling, although the scrambling, even if you don't get any yards, just the nature of not getting sacked does play a role. Um, I don't know if you have any other insight. No, um, the, I, I I think that any any running quarterback is going to be difficult. Yeah. Uh, DTR could have absolutely you know torched them like he. Like he did with uh, with Washington, he made Washington look really silly. Sometimes didn't necessarily do that against Utah. Uh, I would not say at this point in time that Caleb Williams is a he's a mobile quarterback, surely, but he's not someone who's going to be looking to beat you on the ground specifically outright. Like that, that's not what he his first uh, weapon of choice is. And so I think that that, in addition to Lincoln Riley, kind of preaching the uh, don't rely on that kind of angle um, makes me think that it might not end up being a big wrinkle, but at the same time, they have to practice against Kim rising every day. Yeah. Uh, for the record, they had no sacks against Florida. They had five sack against five sacks against ASU, no sacks against Oregon state, two sacks against UCLA. Not that that totally answers the question, but I don't know. It does. It does. They, they were able to get to DTR at some point. Uh, Josh says, shouldn't, uh, Kill Williams be having a sophomore slump technically? I, I don't I'm know. Not, that, I mean, not necessarily. I don't know that sophomore slumps are a real thing. Certainly not when you transfer schools and you start sort oh. of fresh. Not that it was a different change in scheme let, or coaching, but let me, let me explain that. Uh, more so, like I think that li- repeating something is difficult. Um, and if you have a strong freshman season, it's hard to repeat that. But I don't think it's inherently because you're a sophomore. I, I think it's hard to repeat anything that you do that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and you shouldn't always assume that this is a video game where you're going to continue to grow the XP and just be better and better and better uh, as you develop your 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 person, right? Your player. Um, so in that sense, I don't buy into sophomore slumps. Um, but I definitely do not think he's having a sophomore slump. He's had one bad game. That's it. He had yeah. more than one bad game last year. So, um, mind you, he's played six games. So, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, Mark says, are all of our running backs going to play this Saturday? Uh, I would guess not, given that we have not seen everyone play in a game since, what, Rice? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what's going on with Austin Jones. We could see him back this week. We really could. but. He didn't play last week. 
or we didn't certainly didn't notice him. So um, it seems to me they're comfortable with Travis Dye and Relique Brown as the two. So yeah. I would expect that uh, going into the, going into this one. Cameron from from Frisco says, "Did you hear about the article on Kyle Whittingham's distaste for the transfer portal uh, and Lincoln Riley?" I didn't specifically read or hear about this, but I think a lot of college coaches have spoken out about the transfer portal, and I say, tough, get with it. Yeah, I, I think if if you're someone who's not gotten a bunch of guys in the transfer portal, then yeah, there's reasons not to care for it. If you're someone who has relied on the transfer portal, then there's reasons to like it. Yeah, uh, but coaches like are always going to complain about things that don't benefit them. There's no reason why you couldn't benefit from the transfer portal because it works both ways. Yes. And yes, you yes. will have the Alabamas and the USC's of the world picking up good players because they're big brands, but you will also have guys who flame out of places like Alabama and USC and other places that fall to you that just needed a change of scenery, that just needed a chance, and you're going to yes. benefit from them. So if you choose not to benefit from the transfer portal, that's a you mm -hmm. problem. No, that, that's a good point. I think you, we can, at the end of the day, I think that it might be almost equal who benefits out from, from the transfer portal. Obviously this is a unique situation for SC this year, but like the good teams, yes, they are going to be able to take guys from lesser schools. Kind of like how Taj Washington went from Memphis, right? Um, his freshman season. And now he's at SC. Yeah. Um, yes. That's a sign of if you're Memphis, you hit the transfer portal because that happened. But the, the inverse is that is, if you're Fresno State, you get someone like Raymond Scott, right, who needed a change of pace. Mm -hmm. um, and who's Fresno State's quarterback? Uh, Jay Kaner, who is yeah, from Washington. Washington. Yes. So, like, yeah. you know, those schools can absolutely benefit the, in the same direction. Um, having said that, Isn't I think right, was rising a transfer. Now that I'm thinking yes, about from it, Texas. yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you know, yeah. Well. That's that's the silliness of it. Having said that, I completely understand anyone having a resentment for not Lincoln Riley as a person, but for the existence of Lincoln Riley in the conference and SC bringing in all these transfers. Not because of like, oh, it's unfair, but more so like, a, damn this guy. Yes, yeah. like it. Yes, that makes total sense. Like SC comes in and suddenly they're they're able to be the big swinging dick with with the you know the the big brand uh, who who's able to go out there and get Jordan Addison and Caleb Williams and and Travis Dye. If if you're Utah and you've owned the conference for the last couple of years, uh, particularly at least half the conference you've owned, um, and then all of a sudden this happens, yeah, like I totally get being frustrated. Now, would I read into those comments as being anything more than frustrated? No, I don't think like I don't think Kyle Whittingham is a bad guy. I don't think he actually hates Lincoln Riley. Like it's just frustration, and I wouldn't yeah. read too much into it beyond that. Um, Malcolm says, uh, "Has Grinch been a better coordinator than Riley so far this year? His unit is overperforming. Riley's is under." No, I agree. I yes, I think so far you're talking about as coordinators. Yes, I think. Grinch sort of gets the edge there. I sent a text today to a group chat that you are part of that said, should we start to genuinely worry about Alex Grinch getting a head coaching position this season? 
because that's how good of a job he's doing. It's good, yes. Um, but I go back to that is a good problem to have. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but it is a, a worry, I think, and that's reflective of the job that he's done with the, with this defense. Um, that's not to say that Lincoln hasn't done a, a good job with the offense. He's dealing with circumstances around the offensive line that I think have really limited uh, some of the things that that they'd like to do, and that is something to to work through. But what Grinch has done is truly spectacular. Yeah. Uh, Steven says, uh, really Brown breakout game? Question mark. I say yes. Po- possible. I still, I still would ride Travis die on this one. I, I mean, I would too, but if really Brown is healthy and if he's able to give you the, the different wrinkle to go back and forth. Well, his speed is something yes. that you just can't, you have to give him the chance. It, 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 all I want is build in, let's say six or seven touches where he can, if he breaks one, there's your breakout game. Like, that's all you need. So give him that chance. Yeah. Uh, let's go to a question from Jonathan. When are we going to stop treating this team like it is being coached by Clay Helton? Okay. We get this comment. We've gotten this comment fairly regularly this season. And I just want to clear thing up, clear something up. I don't think that we're talking about this team as though it were coached by Clay Helton. I think we're talking about this team as a college football team full of 18 to 22 year olds who are unpredictable and not always going to follow through with what you expect from them on any given week. Um, Pete Carroll, great. One of the greatest head coaches that I have ever seen. You could depend on certain things happening in a, in a season. Some of a lot of them good. Some of them not so good. Like it was dependable that there would be a screw up somewhere along the line. Well, They committed penalties and they lost tough road games. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's just a question that's of what happens in college. this is the reality of college football. Yeah. Like basically what we're saying is we're not talking about this team as though it's coached by Clay Hilton. We're just not talking about this team as though it's coached by Nick Saban. And even Nick Saban's Alabama has struggled in games this year. Even Alabama fans should be having the same conversations that we have of what if this next week is the week that uh, we, we don't come to play with our full potential and Tennessee is the one who gets us like, I think these conversations are have are are had around the country by every single team because it doesn't matter how good your head coach is, you you are always going to be vulnerable potentially because again, eighteen to twenty two year olds. Yeah, I, I think this podcast would be very boring if we just got on it and be like, oh my god, isn't like Caleb Williams the best and like, ooh, Travis Die, oh, one hundred and forty nine rushing yards, isn't he so cool? Like. And not to say that 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 that's what a podcast would sound like if we were just like, you know, only going to talk about positive things. Um, but I, I don't find that interesting. A, but B, the flip side of this is there were there was critique of us, or at least me personally, picking, uh, saying that in in the preseason the SC would be nine and three. The the Vegas line was like nine wins, right? Like, yeah. So like. <laughs> My nine and three was not a hot take. No. That's what the national perspective of what USC was going to be. Like yeah. I was in line with what was there. And right? if anybody, but, if anybody knows their stuff and has done their research, it's the people who make the odds in Vegas because money sure. is on the line there. Sure. So like if, if they thought that USC was an 11 and one team, they would have put that, that over under for win totals higher but, than nine. But, but, but to go off of that, yeah. um, 
you know, some people looked at it like, oh, no, they're, they're more likely to go 12 and 0 than 9 and 3. Okay. All right. If then, if that's the case, if you want to talk about this team as being, we should expect them to go 12 and 0, then let's, let's judge them like they should go 12 and 0 then. Right. Yeah. Like, like it, it doesn't go both ways. Like, if, if you, if you want to talk about this team and like, uh, in the sense of, See, I first of all, I want to talk about the team as what they are. I want to look yeah. at this objectively. I want to talk about Lincoln Riley and, and say what he's doing great and say what, what where he needs to work on. And be honest with you guys. That's what we always want to do, and that's what I always want to do. I don't want to – do people like listening to homers talk all the time? I don't. I can't mm-hmm. stand – like, I don't know how White Sox fans could stand listening to, to Hawk Harrelson call games all the time. What is the reason that people like Vin Scully? Because he wasn't slobbering over every Dodger player every single pitch, right? Like, that's the reason people like listening to Vince Scully is because he was honest with you and he because he was calling things like they were and because he wasn't rosying things up. This is why people like Bob Miller calling Kings games. This is like, this is one of the things that are like, oh, people don't like homers, right? And so, no, I, I, I think we're, we're trying to be objective and be honest and all those things. We're going to tell you when... We, we like things that are going on with Alex Grinch or, or whatever. We're going to tell you when we don't like things that are going on with Alex Grinch. We're going to be honest with you. And no, I don't think that we're looking at this as this is a Clay Helton coach team. A lot of these things and a lot of the areas and why I was so frustrated and gotten to the point where I seriously thought I didn't like podcasting anymore at the end of the Clay Helton era because I was so tired of how the narratives were. About everything got turned back to, but it's Clay Halton, so this team sucks, so I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Like that was that was the attitude around this team, and it was so frustrating when everything was, yeah, but Clay Halton, yeah, but Clay Halton. You couldn't make an objective point because, yeah, but Clay Halton. You could point out, well, this team, this team, and this team have done the same things as SC's has done. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because Clay Halton. And the reality is, like, Clay Halton's teams were super flawed. But, like, they weren't unique in the pantheon of college football, right? And that's the thing that's frustrating because some of the things that happened under Clay Helton will happen again just because that's what happens in college football. And some of the things absolutely will not happen because USC is correcting those things. And Mike Bone has come in here and established, uh, you know, in his era, a a tradition of not doing those those things, right, and and being prepared and going out and, hiring a support staff that prevents all those little things and and all that stuff. And this is why this is not the Clay Helton era at all. And so, no, I I think that Alicia predicting, you know, FC to struggle on the road at Rice Eccles has nothing to do with, oh, this is looking at this like this is the Clay Helton coach team again. No, literally Vegas is predicting Vegas to, I mean, Utah to win. And, and like the S and P plus numbers has USC's probability at thirty five percent. Like that's that's just where the national narrative is. Uh, just just on some of these narrative things, like us saying that they might struggle at Rice Eccles, uh, is not a it's not like about Clay Helton or anything like that. Like that's not because Clay Helton struggle at Rice Eccles. Everybody does. When was the last time that Utah lost at Rice Eccles? not during the COVID season with a, with a full capacity crowd. When was the last time? 
Uh, Washington, 2016? 2018, Washington. Number 13, Washington, by the way. Yeah. yeah. So, like, they don't lose at Rice-Eccles. They just don't. So Yeah, to, to it's, anybody. It's, it's not a thing. Hey, and Clay Helton beat him. And Clay Helton, Clay Helton beat him in front of zero people. So did it really happen? If 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 Clay Helton beat Utah at Rice Eccles and no one was there to see it, did it really happen? Uh, this this is true. If Eric Gentry falls in a, in a forest, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Um, Glenn says, will you guys travel to the Big Ten country when SC joins the conference in 2024? I mean, ideally, yes. It, we would it, love it, to. It, 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 we would be traveling right now if, if Alicia's day job permitted. Mm-hmm. And and I guess our checkbook permitted. Yeah. <laughs> different story. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah, I, I think absolutely we, we, we want to be traveling. We, we were talking about like, oh, we, we, if, you know, SC goes to the playoff, we should make sure that we're credentialed for those and all those things. I'm like, what are we going to do about the car cast? Because I think people like for, for, those, for those of you in the chat right now, like h- how much is the be honest with it? I'm very curious. How much is the immediate car cast made that better or has it made it worse? Is it better to like wake up the next day and have the car cast? Or do you like wait, you know, staying up until 2 a.m. until the car cast drops on Apple Podcasts so you can or Spotify or whatever to listen to it? Or do you like the immediate nature of just being able to go to YouTube and being in, able to interact with it? Cause like, that's the thing. That's the give and take of us going to games. I like the immediate car cast to be honest. So, so do I, but I also like going to games. I'm yes. I want to go to games. I, it, it kills me not being a game. This is the first mm-hmm. time since 1993, sorry, 1992, because 1993 was the first time I went to an SC game. First time since 1992 you know, that I will not be in an SC game. 30 yeah, years. You know what we need? We need to do like Arsenal fan TV, like outside the stadium with like people passing behind us oh and God. things getting crazy. Can you imagine that? No, I can't. <laughs> first of all, so a little inside baseball. When we when we first had ideas of like the car cast to begin at the very beginning, we thought about doing things and one of your pitches was like we should do it like Arsenal fan TV. Mm-hmm. Or like uh, Liverpool has Redmen TV. Yeah, Redmen. not nearly as entertaining and nobody cares. Yeah. But that's because it's not as like crazy and stupid <laughs> to be. I mean, yeah. 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 Um, R- Randy says if you bake a cake, no matter how many layers you add, it's still one cake. Wouldn't that also be true with lasagna? Yes, it would be, no, Randy. It would Thank not. you. And that should end the show. Let Thanks, me, everybody. No, 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 no. Hold on. Let me throw some knowledge at you. When you're cooking a lasagna, you are layering pieces of pasta in a particular way. So, like, it's the same thing as your cake sheets, your sheet cakes. If you are making a layer cake, you are doing the same thing to those as you are to the lasagna ingredients that are being put together to complete a lasagna. So, the little sheet cakes that you make in the oven, that's not a completed cake. The cake is the whole thing that's been prepared and iced and decorated and all of that. So. No, it's not the same thing. The lasagna is prepared as it is. And once it is cooked, it is what it is. And it is a lasagna. And if you stack it on top of the other lasagna. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, guys. Uh, Glenn says, enough with the lasagna. Mars says, oh, Christ. Malcolm says, I'm out. Lasagna again, I'm out. Yes. 
we keep talking about how we need to put like posters and stuff up in the background of of the of the studio and now i think we just need a big poster of a lasagna <laughs> all right we'll be back for the car cast <laughs> a plain hamburger is not meatloaf that's correct his hamburger is good and meatloaf is god awful i wouldn't feed meatloaf to a dog that's correct. I... yeah I don't. I I can't with him. The show does not endorse his meatloaf. Is bad. Meatloaf is very both good. the singer, rest in peace, and the food. No, the meatloaf. Bad. The food is very very good. Bad. Bad. All right. We'll we'll be we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back Saturday night. Uh, SC plays the the number twenty Utah Utes this week on on the road five p.m. on Big Fox uh, go tune in the game and then once it's over head over to YouTube and we'll be here live um, if you're joining us here still here on the chat be sure to make sure that you are subscribed to the channel so that you're right there ready for us turn on the bell once we go live you'll be on there and ready for us to talk about SC and Utah and the Carcast and if you're at the game. Uh, tune in on your phones and listen to us while you're walking out. Maybe on the the uh, the light rail, you'll be watching the game on your. I mean, watching the car cast on your phone. Listen on the drive home. I don't know. It'll be fun. Uh, Cigar says, "Who, who eats meatloaf regularly? They do. <laughs> they still have a TV with the antenna on top. Yes, exactly. Hey, uh, the meatloaf yeah. at Cheesecake Factory is very good. Uh, I, the the last thing we're gonna highlight because I think it's just a great way to end the show." Richard asks, if you stack two lasagna posters on top of each other, is it one or two posters? <laughs> All right. Um, we're out of here. <sighs> okay. We love you guys. We'll, we'll, we'll see you later. See ya. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.